just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. If you celebrate Easter, I hope you had a wonderful Easter. Now, you know my birthday was on Saturday, uh, Easter on Sunday, so I had a great weekend, actually. My wife and I got together with my two sons, my daughter-in-law, and my two grandkids who are fucking amazing. I love hanging around those kids. They bring so much life back into my head because they're young, they're innocent, they're having fun, they're excited, and uh, it was a great time. And then on Sunday... On Easter Sunday, we went to my wife's side of the family, went to my niece, and she's got two kids. I've got a grandnephew and a grandniece, and once again, hanging out with the kids, that's the best part of any get-together. So I had a great time. Now, I was going to do a podcast on Easter, but some of my family said, really? You're going to do that? You're going to do a podcast on Easter? You can't take a fucking day off? I mean, who's going to listen to it on Easter? And I thought, well, maybe somebody will. But after a while, I I realized they were right. I've got more important things to do at that moment when it came to my family and our get-togethers and that sort of thing. So I let it ride on Easter. Gave you guys a day off so you didn't have to go through some of the shit we go through on the Rational Boomer podcast. But now we're starting a new week, so... uh, we got to get back on track, talk about some of the things that are going on in this country and throughout this world. And some days it gets to be really frustrating because you listen to all this, you see all this, and you realize just how fucked up things are. Some people might even say, well, I just want to give up. It's not going to get any better, so whatever. But I'll promise you this, it all does get better. I've told you before, if you grew up in the 60s, you know what uh, tumultuousness is, turmoil, drama, trauma. We had all of that in the 1960s, and in many ways, it's worse than what we're having now. Some ways, this era is worse because we're looking at the possibility of of, of uh, insurrection and overturning a government. So that makes it harsher. But we had wars, we had assassinations and all those things in the 60s, but Here we are. We got through the 60s. Things got better. Then they get worse. Then they get better. That's just the way of the world. There's always going to be some things that trouble us. But we've got to strive for those happy times and enjoy them to the fullest in order to make this whole thing, this whole life, viable and worthwhile. Now, while we're on that topic, I always ask you to send me emails or voicemails. I got one voicemail. I got two emails, so let's get to that. The first one is a voicemail, and this one comes from Valina. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mike. And I wish you another 62 more years. Happy birthday, dude. Well, look at you, Valina, going all Aretha Franklin on my shit. <laughs> oh, Valina, that was beautiful. Thank you very much. Yep, my birthday was on Saturday, and I appreciate uh, the gesture made with that song. That was very sweet of you. And you're pretty good, too. You know, maybe we should do some recording, get you a deal, whatever. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Valina. I appreciate it very much. Yes, I'm 62 now. I'm over the hump. <laughs> Actually, I was over the hump about 20 years ago, but I'm a little further down the road now. Now, I've got some uh, emails, too. This one comes to us from Bruce. He says, first and foremost, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you very much. Second, I came across a documentary on DT, hashtag unfit. The Psychology of Donald Trump. I found it very informative on many levels and thought it would be something that you could appreciate. If time permits, you may want to watch it. Keep up the good work, Bruce. Now, I haven't watched that documentary. I've seen it advertised. I don't know if it's on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, but I've seen it. And and I've been tempted to watch it. But 
for the life of me, I have a lot of trouble going to watch Fox News or watching more on Donald Trump. I've investigated Donald Trump a lot. I've dug down and learned a lot about Donald Trump. And I wonder sometimes if I'll find some things new or not when I watch these documentaries. I doubt I'll find something new, but that's my biggest fear, that I will find something even more fucked up than I already know and just depress the shit out of me. No matter what anybody comes up with at this point, (laughs) Donald Trump is the lowest form of life, at least in politics and pop culture in this country. There's nothing that can change my mind to make it better. And I don't know how the fuck it could get worse. I mean, if you're a treasonist and you're trying to overthrow this government, there isn't much worse than that. I just hate watching those things. I do, and I have, and I probably will again. And uh, on your recommendation, Bruce, I will watch that documentary. Uh, As far as the psychology, I'm very... I'm very familiar with the psychology, as I've told you. I had a father who was kind of a mini-Trump. He wasn't as rich as Trump alleges, but he had some money. He was probably wealthier than most people in my neighborhood. And uh, he was a narcissist, sociopath, pathological liar, maybe even a psychopath. And I dealt with him for 23 years. I lived with him for 23 years. And uh, I learned a lot about that personality. Didn't like any of it. I learned how to deal with it sometimes. I learned how to manipulate it because those people, as strong as they try to come off, they're easily manipulated. Now, the one difference between Donald Trump and my my father, my father wasn't as smart as he thought he was, but he was smarter than Donald Trump, which made him more dangerous. And after a 23-year study on this guy, I've learned a lot about who he is, what he is, and... uh, how it all ends up. And I see all those things in Donald Trump. After experiencing it with my father, I watch it in Donald Trump, and I know exactly who he is. I know exactly what he's going to do, and I know exactly how he's going to end up. And I'll tell you here and now, it's not good. My father had the world by the tail. (laughs) He had everything going for him. He made a lot of money. He had a lot of toys. He had a lot of friends. He had some notoriety because he was successful in his business. Now, I don't know exactly where my father is right now, but I have a good idea. After pissing off everybody, burning every bridge, I think he's um, living alone in either uh, assisted care or on his own. Last time I saw him, he had some health issues, and he wasn't looking good. And at this point in time, he would be going on 82 years old, and he was a heavy drinker. I have a feeling if he was still alive, or if he wasn't alive anymore, I would have heard about it. But I haven't heard anything about it, so as far as I know, he's still alive. But uh, the one thing I learned about these kinds of people It's impossible to change them. Even when they crash, when they start to rise up from the ashes, they're still the same people. The only thing you can do is separate yourself from those people so they don't inflict whatever bullshit they have on you. And I've said that to people. People have said to me, you know, you can't be mad at your dad for the rest of your life and and just avoid him. And I always told him, I said, I'm not avoiding him for me because I can handle him, especially now. But everywhere this guy goes, everywhere Donald Trump goes, there's this dark cloud of bullshit that hangs over him. Now, as much as I can deal with it, I don't want my kids, my wife, my grandkids exposed to that shit. So the better thing is to keep him at a distance. And hopefully at some point soon, and I think we will be able to do this, be able to keep Donald Trump at a distance, keep him quiet, and let him waste away in whatever's left of his life when this is all said and done. All right, the next email. This comes to us from Trevor. Dear Rational Boomer, I love your podcast, and I so agree with everything that you have shared with everyone on Spotify. I'm always intrigued with your personal perspective and your political views on the news that's happening around the world. I'm sorry for my French fucking hate with 
what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, but I fucking hate Trump. Ha 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 ha. First, I want to correct you on something, Trevor. I'm not the rational boomer. Rational boomer's name of the TikTok and name of this show. I'm a rational boomer. I'm not the rational boomer. All of us that are listening here and me are rational boomers. That's the point of the podcast. That's the point of TikTok, bringing together all those rational boomers. So I appreciate the letter. You can just call me Mike because that's what my name is. I am a rational boomer, but so are you and so are a lot of other people. That's not a title. That's a designation of rational fucking people in this country. But anyway, uh, I I like the fact that you were uh, apologizing for your French by using the F word. (laughs) I think that's sarcastic. As you know, I swear more than anybody. And uh, if you want to say the F word... Godspeed, uh, because um, I do it a lot, and I, I get a lot of heat for it. Now, here's the thing. There are people who swear and can't control it, right? Now, when I had kids, and now that I have grandkids, my wife, my son, my daughter-in-law will say, don't swear in front of the kids. And I say, I'll never swear in front of the kids. I say, you swear all the time. I said, I know, but I've got, I've got a filter. And it's a filter I learned when I was in radio. I couldn't go on the radio when I was working in radio and say, fuck, shit, damn, all that other stuff. And I never did. I never got caught up in that. I never made that mistake because I could flick the filter off. And when I'm around my grandkids, not so much my kids now because they're in their late 20s and 30s and they swear more than I do. Uh, I don't really filter with them, but in appropriate situations, I will filter what I have to say, and it's not a problem to do. I don't accidentally spew the F word because I'm not an emotional guy and I don't get angry and upset and just say anything. I always think about what I say. And so I can take that filter off. And I know I, you know, I get a lot of heat from a few people on TikTok who will give me a hard time. Well, I wish you wouldn't swear. And they'll say to me, look, if you swear like that, I can't share it. And I said, I understand that. And I apologize if it's inconvenient for you if I swear. But the important thing here is I'm going to be my authentic self. What I do on the podcast and what I do on TikTok is exactly how I am when I'm off the microphone or the camera. I think that's important because too many people, when they're doing podcasts or when they're doing TikToks, they're putting on a show. And I really don't know who you are. I don't know who you are at all. I'd like to know who you are. And I'd like to know that the person that's giving me the information actually believes that shit and is actually the same way that they portray themselves in the media, per se. So, if my swearing bothers you, I apologize. I can't tell you I'm going to stop because I don't know that I can. All right, let's uh, let's get to the business at hand. Conservatives and the NRA believe there should be no restrictions on gun ownership. Anyone can own a gun as many as they like, with no regards to background checks or any kind of registration. That's their preference. In spite of the fact that there are mass shootings in this U.S., there are more mass shootings than anywhere in the world. That's got to tell you something. I mean, if you're doing something and it's not working, you should presumably want to change it, right? But the NRA and the conservatives don't. Now, this is particularly disturbing to me and contradictory to what the conservatives and the NRA feel. Sunday morning, there was a mass shooting in Furman, South Carolina, that left at least nine people injured. Fortunately, no deaths. This happened in a bar in Hampton County uh, that was having an Easter bash. Isn't that wonderful? A celebration for Easter in a bar, (laughs) and the entertainment is a fucking shooting. What the hell? Now, the day before that shooting, also in South Carolina, specifically in the city of Columbia, another mass shooting happened in a mall. Fourteen people were injured, and again, thankfully, no fatalities. But imagine that. Two mass shootings in consecutive days 
in one state. That might be a red flag that there's a problem in South Carolina. I don't know. Call me crazy, but that seems to be a little excessive, don't you think? Now, additionally, additionally, on Sunday, there was another mass shooting in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was at a party. Everybody's happy at a party, right? Well, no, not exactly. There was a shooting there, and two were left dead, and several others were injured. Now, lest we not forget the subway shooting in Brooklyn, New York, with 20 injured less than a week ago. The important thing to understand, to date, there have been 130 mass shootings this year since January in the United States. What do we go? We're in the fourth month going into the fifth month. And since January, we've had 130 mass shootings in this country. Now, conservatives would have you believe that the answer is uh, more guns and less restrictions. That's what they think. But that's what we've got, right? We don't have the restrictions we, we should have, and they believe everybody should get guns. And for the life of me, they keep claiming the Second Amendment. And to be perfectly honest, I believe that they misinterpret the Second Amendment. They talk about having guns, but they also talk about having a well-organized militia. And I have a feeling that these two shooters in South Carolina, in uh, Pennsylvania, and in New York City, I'm thinking none of them were part of a a well-established militia. See, they forget about that all the time. But that is a stipulation in the amendment. They read that as everybody can have as many guns as they want, and there's no restrictions. You don't have to go through a background check. Well, here's what I kind of find funny about that whole situation. Now, if you want to get a driver's license in any state in this country, you have to go through some classroom studies. you got to go to the classroom. And then you've got to take some behind-the-wheel training. You have to pass a permit test and a license test. And once you have the license and you're driving, you got to follow all the rules of the law and you have to have insurance. Now, people will say, well, cars are a deadly weapon. Well, so are guns. Wouldn't it make sense, at the very least, to have the same, same requirements for guns that we have for cars? It's a pretty serious fucking thing. You can kill people with cars if you aren't operating it properly or recklessly. And the same could be said for guns. So why wouldn't you have those same kinds of restrictions? It's because of these red meat-eating pieces of shit think they have an alien, inalienable right to own a gun, whatever kind of gun they want. And they're wrong. The Second Amendment doesn't say that per se. They've misinterpreted. They perverted the meaning of the Second Amendment, and they use it to their advantage. And fortunately, they've had enough power in Congress and uh, with the NRA to do what they want to do, in spite of the fact it's completely wrong. And that's the most troubling thing that you always hear people talk about. I mean, we've had 130 mass shootings in four and a half or four months, four months. So... We're a quarter or a third of the way through the year. So theoretically, that means we could have 390 before the end of the year. That's just fucking unacceptable. That's ridiculous. So we should see a red flag here. You get two mass shootings in consecutive days in the same state. And then also on Sunday, you get one in Pittsburgh, and you get one less than a week ago. We've got a total of 130. Yet our Congress has done nothing after any of these mass shootings. Nothing. Zero. Now, keep in mind, the Democrats haven't done anything either. And yes, I know they're being obstructed now, but over the years, they've had some power where they could have done something, but they've chose not to. And why? Well, because you've got the NRA and you've got big companies putting money in the pockets of our legislators and our senators to make sure they protect the freedoms of guns so these 
big gun manufacturers continue to make money. This is the shit that has to change. It has to fucking change. Absolutely. Now, you know how I love the evangelicals. (laughs) Well, evangelist Franklin Graham. This is Trump's buddy, big supporter, and of course, son of the late Billy Graham. He's getting absolutely buried with criticism after an appearance on Fox News Digital. Now, he suggested to the host, Maureen McKay, that prayer might influence Russian President Vladimir Putin and change his heart. Now, we know Franklin and uh, Putin have met on a number of occasions and uh, presumably they're buddies. Now, that, of course, is a little fucked up when you think about it. Let's pray for this murderous dictator. That's a little fucked up, but that isn't really what got him in trouble. He said, I'm asking Christians to join me in 10 days of prayer for the people of Ukraine and an end to this conflict. Well, that's what pissed people off. See what he did there. He not only suggested we pray for a violent, murderous dictator, a a war criminal, but he diminished a full-scale, unprovoked invasion, not to mention war crimes and atrocities. He diminished it to a conflict, something that uh, Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin might say. That ended up being a bridge too far for a lot of people, and he got destroyed on Twitter, and he's going to continue to get destroyed on Twitter. No, there's a... There's a uh, Freudian slip on Twitter. (laughs) Ladies, I'm sorry. That's not a word I would use, and I did it accidentally there. I am so tired. Honestly, I'm so tired as uh, these phony Christians. They uh, interpret the Bible any way they want to further their fucked-up agenda. It's much like the trump and the Republicans and the conservatives, how they interpret the Second Amendment badly and pervert it. And that's what the evangelicals are doing. They care little for the rights of anyone but themselves. The fact that they support Donald Trump, uh, treason and taking away constitutional rights from women suggests they couldn't be the further, they couldn't be further away from God. And in fact, they're evil. They're an enemy of this country. Now, I said that one time on Facebook, that evangelicals are the enemy of this country. And I've told you, it caused me a little trouble within my family. (laughs) I have a family member who's a big evangelical and, of course, a big Trump supporter. And they never, ever said anything. But one moment, they had an opportunity and they exploded. And I acted appropriately. I kind of smirked at him. And he said, you said this. And I said, you fucking right. I said <laughs> And he was really hurt that I made fun of and put down and uh, accused evangelicals. Now, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in churches or any of those things, mainly because they are, they are run and uh, ruled by humans who are fallible. I believe in God. I pray every night. I do all of those things, but I just go directly to God. I don't have to join some club. I don't have to have somebody tell me what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. I go to God. I do the best I can. I try to treat people well, and I believe I'm on the right track there. But these evangelicals want to get people to do negative things out there, to look at other people that aren't them as lesser than. And that troubles me. I think that's contrary to uh, um, what is in the Bible and uh, what we know of God. I've said this before, say it again, and it's a very simple explanation of what we should be doing if we are truly believers in God or just good people. Somebody asked the Dalai Lama one time, please explain your religion. And he said, my religion is simple. Just treat people with kindness. And that's all. That's it. And let's be honest. If we could do just that, if we could treat people with kindness, then we wouldn't have to worry about the Ten Commandments or any of these other things because that would pretty much wrap it all up. 
Now, people will say to me, yeah, but you're mean to people. Yeah, I am. But those are people who are trying to uh, overthrow our government, trying to hurt other people, trying to diminish people of color. There does come a time when you have to fight back. You have to push back. They're bullies. And if you don't fight back, they're going to continue to walk over you forever. Now, if these people end up recanting what they're saying and see the light and uh, be normal about it, I mean, I can forgive them and I can treat them with kindness. Uh, But if we could be kind to most people, just give people the benefit of the doubt, unless they're trying to do extreme damage to our country and hurt people. That is the limit there. Then there's a time when you have to fight back and push back. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. So regarding what we were talking about before we took the break, I just want to clarify something. I said I don't believe in organized religion. I don't like going to church, and uh, I have my issues with it, based on some experiences I've had in my past. But that's not to say that I have a problem with anybody else going to church. I mean, if this is helpful to you, if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel closer to God, and you can take from that what you need— I have no qualms with it at all. When I was growing up, my mom insisted we went to church. We were Lutherans. I went to Sunday school. I went to um, uh, uh, classes to be confirmed. I had uh, all the things that go on around religion. My mom was very particular about us being involved in uh, religion in our church, and I did it. You know, I respected my mom, and she wanted us to do it, and she felt that was the important thing to do, and I did it. And I know a lot of people that were ministers and pastors and people that go to church and people that have always been in church, and I have a lot of respect for them, and I like them, and I don't look down on them for going to church. I think religion, I think God is more of a personal thing, you know, you You decide what you believe, what you don't believe. You take it to God, and it's a very personable thing. I don't usually espouse anything there. I I wouldn't suggest that anybody do what I do or the way I do it. I think you should do it with whatever way is most comfortable for you, what you think it's going to give you the most uh, impact from. I mean, that's the whole point of it. Faith is about uh, feeling better and feeling good and moving in the right direction. And whatever it takes to get you to do that, you should do that. So as much as I'm not a fan of organized religion, I don't want to seem as though I'm putting people down for being involved in organized religion. Absolutely not. I have complete respect for the things you're doing. You're making the best choice for yourself, and you should have that opportunity, and I respect your right to do that. All right, I don't want to get into any religious <laughs> religious problems. I think most of you know how I feel about it, and you can either like it or not like it. It doesn't make a difference because, as I say, it's very personable or personal to me. I don't, I, I, I don't give it out to anybody else, even people in my own family. I just do what I do. All right, former Trump chief of staff, Mark Meadows, Now, his future is becoming a little darker every minute. Now, Mark Meadows was a former North Carolina congressman who was tapped by former President Donald Trump to be his chief of staff. So he thought this was a uh, promotion, if you will. A representative in the House uh, has a term of two years. Every two years, they have to run for re-election. So now he had the opportunity to be a chief of staff for Donald Trump. He was a big Trump humper. This was a perfect deal. He got more money. He got more exposure. But I think he's going to get a little more trouble than he'd hoped for. On January 6th, during the insurrection, he was one of the people that was the closest in proximity to Donald Trump, which would suggest he could provide a lot of information to the January 6th committee when they asked him about it. But he refused. 
He refused to comply to a subpoena and um, has since been referred to the Department of Justice for criminal contempt of Congress by the January 6th committee. Now, this is Mark Meadows' first problem. He's referred to the DOJ. He could very well be indicted and prosecuted for criminal contempt of Congress. Now, they may have kind of laid back on him because he was so connected to the president. That's kind of a touchy issue. But now with some of these other things coming out, I think it's more likely that he'll get an indictment. Now, while he won't testify for some reason, he did, oddly enough, turn over a tranche of documents. Now, in these documents were a lot of text from January 6th and prior. The uh, people sending these texts were people begging Donald Trump for help from the violence on that day, Insurrection Day. Then there were congressmen. There was one congressman and a senator begging for some evidence of voter fraud. They were all in about the big lie. They heard all this information of how somehow Donald Trump was cheated in the election. They were all in. So they're arguing the point, standing up for Donald Trump, but then people are putting pressure on them. So they start getting nervous and they go to Mark Meadows and ultimately Donald Trump and say, look, you got to give us some help here. You got to give us some evidence. But whether it be those people in Congress that were begging for help to uh, save them from the violence, getting Donald Trump to stop it, or whether it be them looking for evidence for the big steal. Unfortunately, those texts went unanswered. Nobody responded. There was no forthcoming evidence, and there was no help um, when it came to the violence on that day. That in itself is going to be problematic because that in itself is evidence of his involvement in the January 6th insurrection. We're watching January 6th committee do all kinds of things and they're releasing little bits of information here and there. That will continue almost every day. Something new will come out. And then there'll be an explosion of information and it will be fucking crazy when they start doing the televised hearings. Between now and November, as I've said before, you're going to see a lot of information and it's going to get bigger and badder and worse as time goes on up and through up until through the uh, uh, the midterms. And they're doing this on purpose. People have short memories, so they want to keep it in the forefront of their minds and they want to essentially destroy the Republican Party, which won't be hard to do because the Republican Party already destroyed them fucking selves. So this is what's going on. And this is the second problem for Mark Meadows. So he's got the criminal contempt of Congress. He's got some evidence against him that he was somehow connected and involved in the January 6th insurrection. That's going to go badly for him. But lastly, while the impetus of the Stop the Steal campaign is election fraud, but uh, it's kind of ironic. This past week, North Carolina Board of Elections voted to expel Mark Meadows from the voter rolls. See, what happened is he voted in North Carolina from an address he never even visited let alone lived in. As far as we understand it, it amounted to a uh, mobile home someplace. And both he and his wife voted from North Carolina, stating that address as their home. Which wasn't true, of course, because they live in Virginia, which made sense because he works in Washington, D.C., for Christ's sake. But somehow he felt like he was able to vote twice, North Carolina, and Virginia. And his wife did it too, so she's got some problems as well. But, but the thing about it is, is you can't do that. It's illegal. For as much as these people screamed about election fraud, well, this dumb bitch 
actually committed actual voter fraud. You can't vote twice. You can't claim to be a voter from a location that you don't live in. That clearly shows that you're trying to undermine or subvert the election process. And I find it really strange, too, that he did this. It doesn't make any sense to me. Does he really think that if he votes twice, that's going to help Donald Trump? I mean, for Christ's sake, it's ridiculous. It's not going to help. You're going to put yourself on the line, your credibility, your uh, freedom on the line, just so you can vote twice for Donald Trump. That shows how fucked up these people are and how arrogant they are. They think they're free to break the law without any kind of responsibility or accountability. They believe they were above the law. As much as everybody tells us no one's above the law, nobody told Mark Meadows or some of these other people. Because we do keep hearing about voter fraud, but it seems to be always Republicans. And this Republican happened to be the chief of staff for the president of the United States. You can see the problem here. Now, if he's convicted of this crime, and he should be because it's pretty clear that he did it. I mean, the votes are there, the registration, and all the information is there. If he is convicted of this, and if his wife is convicted of it, that could bring as much as a five-year jail term. Well, now, I don't think he was expecting that. You know, he's a hot shot. He's working for the president. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. At least he thought so. But see, this is how it goes. Had Donald Trump won, you'd never heard about this. If some of this other stuff with the January 6th committee wasn't happening, you would never have heard about this. You know, all this stuff coming and Mark Meadows doing the things he's doing, it causes people to pique their interest. So they start digging. And then they find shit like this. And this is the thing that always bothered me, you know. We've got politicians who aren't the most, they don't have the greatest amount of integrity. And I'm talking Democrats or Republicans. We've got people with a certain amount of arrogance, entitlement, and they do things that they might tell us not to do, but they do it because they think they're special or they have more power or they know that they can cover it up. And you have to wonder, over the decades and decades I've been alive, had anybody really dug into some of these politicians that have been in office during my lifetime, how many of them might have broken the law or just kind of cheated a little bit. I'm guessing you're going to find a high percentage of them doing that. I mean, this is human nature. You rise to a certain level, you make a certain amount of money, you have X amount of power, and then you start believing your own press clippings. You think, I'm special. I'm above it all. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to tell these people not to do it, but it's okay if I do it because I'm special. And that's exactly how Mark Meadows felt in this situation. He felt as though he was special. So he does it. But now Mark Meadows is in a world of fucking hurt. He could have stayed the congressman from North Carolina, maybe got some shit, but instead he wanted to reach for the stars and work for Donald Trump as chief of staff. Now he's got all kinds of problems and uh, doesn't know what to do now. I'm sure he's freaking out. He's going to be prosecuted for criminal contempt. He obviously has a lot of information surrounding January 6th and the insurrection. He's not talking, in spite of the fact he gave a bunch of documents. But it's clear with those documents and what we're seeing, he was involved and he is guilty. And then last but not least, he's mad about he's mad about election fraud, yet he commits voter fraud. Seems a little ironic, don't you think, to take a phrase from Alanis Morissette. That's one of our biggest problems in this country. We have our leaders and our politicians, and they've been given the right to be special. We've afforded that to them, and we've not held them accountable. 
If we ever hope to clean up this country and make things fair again, we have to fix that. And that means Republicans and Democrats and Independents and any motherfucker that decides to do anything they want as opposed to what they're supposed to do. I can only hope Mark Meadows will pay the price, and with three things hanging over his head, I'm guessing he probably will. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about, there's a lot of Republicans that think Donald Trump will be their savior when it comes to winning back the House and the Senate at the midterms in November. Now, the fucked up thing, there's a lot of Democrats that are scared to death that this is true. And I think these people are only looking at the surface. They're really not looking at the whole picture. Um, A Trump biographer, Michael D'Antonio, suggests something different. He says he sees Trump's long streak of not being held responsible for his actions maybe coming to an end, as well as his political career coming to an end. Donald Trump is endorsing candidates, as he does. And there's a lot of people out there begging and stealing and doing whatever to get Donald Trump to endorse them. They feel that is the magic ticket that will get them elected. And I think they're going to find that's probably not true. But at this point, some of the people he's endorsing, even some of his strongest allies, are kind of looking out the side of their face going, what the fuck is that? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's endorsing people like Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker in the primaries. He wants them to win the primaries. Now, normal Republicans have other candidates that they'd like to see win. And when people see somebody like Dr. Oz and Herschel Herschel Walker uh, running for um, office, Some of the Democrats go, oh, you're just bringing up more crazy people. But just calm down a little bit. We want those fucking crazy people running for the Republican Party because they don't have a chance. They're too stupid. They're too crazy. And uh, these people in the middle or these normal Republicans certainly are not going to vote for these clowns. The other thing you have to consider about Donald Trump is his poor turnouts at the rallies with numbers that are pretty embarrassing. Apparently, there are some GOP lawmakers that are openly mocking him behind his back. They're laughing at him, calling him a child, saying he isn't the same man as he was a year ago. (laughs) They're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And they've just started doing it because they're seeing some cracks in the armor with Donald Trump. Fuck, we Democrats have been laughing and mocking this clown for five years. What took the Republicans so long? Now, Democrats might start looking at Trump as a godsend, actually. You know that? People have been fearful of Donald Trump and what he'll do and how he'll allow the Republicans to win in the midterms and in 2024. But after this all goes down, you know, the things that have gone down so far— all the information that's coming out, the possible indictments, the prosecutions, and all these sorts of things, Donald Trump may be the godsend of the Democratic Party because he's going to keep bringing up these crazy fucks, and these crazy fucks can't get voted in. So he might be helpful. I mean, do you remember how Donald Trump supported Kelly Loeffler and Purdue? for the Senate seats in Georgia when they had those runoffs? You know what? They lost. Donald Trump endorsed both of those people, and they both lost. And what did that do? That put Democrats from Georgia uh, in the Senate, if not for the first time, the first time in a long time. And it also gave the Democrats the majority in the Senate. That's not a lot of productivity out of Donald Trump. If that's the kind of thing he's going to do, God bless him. Keep doing it, Donald Trump, and you dumb Republicans, keep supporting him, because he's just going to lose for you. There's a New Hampshire governor, Chris Sununu. Uh, He was a big Trump guy. Oh, he loved Donald Trump. But he's also the one that was recently quoted as saying, he's fucking crazy. (laughs) 
And, you know, the thing about it is it always amazes me when you hear him say the things he does and those sycophants that still like him say, oh, yeah, I believe it, I buy it, I'm with him on this, when the comments are just absolutely fucking stupid. Now, these people just have to be kiss-asses or stupid in their own right that they believe the bullshit coming out of Donald Trump's mouth. Trump's grip is weakening every day on the Republican Party. The longer Trump LaFucks hang on to uh, Donald Trump, the better the chance that they're going to lose. And that's, I think, the way you have to look at it. You have to understand that Donald Trump's uh, shooting star, if you will, is starting to fade. Mitch McConnell is nervous as fuck because Donald Trump keeps supporting these, uh, these crazies uh, in the primaries, and if they get, um, if they ascend to the candidacy for the Republican Party, Mitch McConnell's got a problem. He said as much. If we don't get the good quality candidates, we're not going to win. And he's absolutely right. Mitch McConnell knows this. Uh, I know this. You know this. Apparently, Donald Trump and the base and some Republicans don't get it. They think. Donald Trump has some magic power that's going to immediately give him a win. But keep in mind, he lost the presidential election by 7 million votes. He lost control in the Senate. And he, re- he was not able to gain control in the House. Now, people are all worried about um, Republicans getting the majority in the House and the Senate. And I really don't think that's a realistic concern. I mean, it's better to be safe than sorry, but uh, the thing about it is is that uh, there is nothing going the Republicans' way, save for inflation. I know people are freaking out about inflation. They're trying to blame Joe Biden for it. The fact of the matter is it isn't Joe Biden's fault. It's more Putin's fault than anybody, and Putin is Donald Trump's buddy. So why aren't we blaming Donald Trump? Had Donald Trump been in when uh, Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, you probably wouldn't even hear about it. Donald Trump would have probably sent tanks to him to help Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump is quickly becoming the joke that he's always been. More and more people are seeing it. Now, we Democrats and we uh, liberals or whatever we want to call ourselves have always seen it from day one. But now Republicans are starting to see it. And it's not because they're getting their credibility or an integrity back. That's not the case. It's all about votes. It's all about power. Donald Trump may be their Lord and Savior now, but the moment he can't deliver votes and elections, he's fucking nobody. He's gone. That's the uh, nature of this business. What have you done for me lately? If you can't do something for me, you ain't shit to me. And that's where Donald Trump will end up with the Republican Party. He will be diminished so far that ultimately the Republican Party will say, fuck yourself, get out of the way, we can't win with you. Now, Donald Trump may try to start his <laughs> his own political party. He's talked about that before. But he also said he was going to start his own social media app. Truth, I think it's called, which is ironic in its own right. But that app is not doing shit. It's unsuccessful. It's a failure. So even if Donald Trump did want to start a new party, it's not going to work. There's not enough people that support the crazy bullshit that Donald Trump talks about. So I wouldn't worry about that. So you folks that are worried about the midterms, it's good to be concerned. And honestly, I hope there's a lot of people concerned, a lot of people scared when we come to the midterms. And here's why. Not because I think there's real fear there, but there was real fear when Donald Trump was running in 2020. And because of that fear, 81 million people got out to vote for Joe Biden because they couldn't imagine having Donald Trump back in office. Now, I hope that fear is also motivating in 2022, because if the Republicans get the majority back in the House and the Senate, nothing is going to happen for you. And we're going to become that much closer to uh, a dictator, an authoritarian in office. 
So hopefully that fear is there. I would love to see an unprecedented amount of people voting in the midterms. Commonly, it's known that not many people vote in the midterms. That's how the opposite party wins. But this is a different situation. These are different times. So we need to keep instilling this information and this news out there about what's going on and what they intend to do. Let's whip up that concern, even some fear for some people. So in 2022, during the midterms, we get an unprecedented amount of Democrats voting. That's the one way to do it. Even if they're trying to suppress votes, even if they're trying to gerrymander, they can't stop a huge number of votes coming in to beat them. They can try to game the system. That's what they've been trying to do for decades. They know they're losing a grip. They know the era of the old white man is going to go by the wayside. So now they're just kind of grabbing at straws, hoping they can game the system so they can still hold on to power. The power is with the people. If the people are willing to exercise that power, exploit that power. And that power is great numbers voting for the right people. Midterms are known to be weak as far as votes. We've got to change that. We've got to make people concerned. We've got to make people understand and get them out to vote in November when maybe they normally wouldn't. But for those of you that are given up and all is lost, don't do that. And if you're going to do that, don't say it to me because I'm going to give you shit about it. Anybody with a fatalistic attitude fucking annoys me. If you don't think you're going to win, then just curl up in the corner and shut up while we try to fight this thing out. So anyway, we're toward the end here. We're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time that you do listening to me. I'm always anxious to hear from you, so by all means, send a voicemail. Uh, send an email to rationalboomer at gmail.com. I hope you have a great day, and we will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.